2 Timothy 3. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. We're continuing our series about the last generation and a warning to the ungodly. We're going to read a little bit more out of Second Esdras this week. Uh, we're going to finish uh, the chapter that we started last week, uh, chapter 7. And then we're going to read a little bit of chapter 9. And uh, we're dealing with in these chapters, or specifically the uh, finishing of chapter 7, dealing with what happens to the soul. Like when it dies, does it go to like a holding pattern or or what happens while while we await judgment or the final culmination of everything? And so that's kind of what is spoken about. And uh, Ezra continues to point out the fact that the amount of people who are saved are very, very few. And he struggles with that reality. You know, we are living in perilous times and I don't think all Americans are aware of just how bad things have gotten here in the United States our cities are burning to the ground there's violence at a level that's not been seen in the United States Uh, we've gotten to a place where a large percentage of the country hates its own country and our uh, our uh, history is being burned to the ground uh, again our cities and not only that here's the part that I think is also very very upsetting is that the church continues to pretend like it's not under persecution right now I mean first we had the virus fear mongering and you know you could pile into Lowe's and other department stores by the hundreds, but if 50 of you decided to go to church, you were going to get arrested or you were going to get fined. And many churches, most churches around the country, are still not available, still not allowed to be open while other things is perfectly acceptable. Uh, we also see now the protests are moving not just to American history and destroying American history, but now they're wanting to pull down uh anything that has to do with Christianity. And the church is just kind of oblivious to this fact. Here on the endtimesheadlines.org, a title says, Activists say statue of Jesus Christ are a gross form of white supremacy. Tear them down. We've seen churches burned. Uh, depictions of Jesus torn down. These things are happening. 
And the church, I feel like, from my perspective anyway, is so lukewarm, so out of touch, so committed to being like the world versus being a light on a hilltop that it doesn't even see its own demise. You know, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Blindness. Blind. The church is blind. And the remnant is few. And uh, that point is going to be made over again uh, here in the book of Second Esdras. Also, this locust plague that started at the beginning of the year is still ramping through the world, causing all kinds of famine. Uh, again, from that same, or no, this is from the themostimportantnews.com, which says a biblical plague of locusts has put millions on the brink of famine. We have never, ever seen we've seen in the last six months. Billions upon billions of Icarus desert locusts are ravishingly devouring crops over a vast portion of the globe that stretches from eastern Africa all the way to India. This unprecedented plague was supposed to be this was supposed to be subsiding by now, but instead a fourth generation of locusts has emerged that's producing swarms that are up to eight thousand times larger than what we have witnessed earlier this year. Some of these swarms are the size of major cities. They can travel up to 150 kilometers in a day. And when they descend upon a farm, they literally can eat everything in as little as 30 seconds. Wow. Because these swarms are not affecting the United States, most Americans don't understand the immense devastation that is happening on the other side of the globe right now. The UN is warning that mass starvation is coming. And we are being told that it's going to be begin by the end of this calendar year. Perilous times. The civil unrest is here. The global economic disaster is developing. Plagues of locust, famine. Now is the time to make sure that you are right with Messiah, to get right with the Savior, to get right with God. Strange times are upon us. And sometimes it's easy to ignore, especially if you live in some of the parts of the country of the United States, as an example, where insanity hasn't completely taken over, which is becoming fewer and fewer places. Um, when you live in rural communities, you don't see it as much. Uh, but those who live in more populated areas and uh, live in some of the areas that are more like communist states more <laughs> than they are uh, places of freedom. And, you know, those people would tell you, hey, uh, things are bad. Things are bad. And I, you know, I struggle with talking about it because I'm just like, well, I don't want to promote only fear and despair. But we are in a very dangerous place. And we are in a not just a physical and social crisis right now, but we are in a very large spiritual crisis right now. And if people don't get on their knees, it's game over. Um... We need to be on our knees praying, asking God for mercy. That is our job, is to intercede 
to spread the good news of Jesus, to intercede, to show love, and to be a light on the hilltop and to walk in his ways. That's what we're here to do. So we need to be doing that. All right. My little rant is over. Let's look at some of these scriptures from the apocryphal book of Second Esdras. We are going to start with verse 117 in chapter 7 and continue forward. Actually, we'll be starting with verse 73. Let us begin. What then will they have to say in the judgment, or how will they answer in the last times? For how long the time is that the Most High has been patient with those who inhabit the world, and not for their sakes, but because of the times which has been foreordained? I answered and I said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O Lord, show this also to thy servant, whether after death, as soon as everyone yields up the soul, we shall be kept in rest until those times come, when thou wilt renew the creation, or whether we shall be tormented at once. He answered me and he said, I will show you that also, but do not associate, do not be associated with those who have, been, who have shown scorn, nor number yourself among those who are tormented. For you have a treasure of works laid up with the Most High, but it will be not shown to you until the last times. Now, concerning death, the teaching is, When the decisive decree, decree has gone forth from the Most High that a man shall die, as the Spirit leaves the body to return again to him who gave it first of all, it adores the glory of the Most High. Please note that... Uh, this passage is confirming what, you know, it seems to be the case according to Scripture that God decides, right? Like a man's days are appointed and numbered. And it says that a decree would go out from God that a man's life would be over. Verse 79. And if it is one of those who have shown scorn and have not kept the ways of the Most High and who have despised His law and who have hated those who fear God, such spirits shall not enter into habitations, but shall immediately wander about in torments, ever grieving and sad in seven ways. The first way, because they have scorned the law of the Most High. The second way, because they cannot now make a good repentance that they may live. The third way is that they shall see the reward laid up for those who have trusted the covenants of the Most High. The fourth way, they shall consider the torments laid up for themselves in the last day. The fifth way, they shall see how the habitations of the others are guarded by angels in profound quiet. The sixth way, they shall see how some of them will pass over into torments. The seventh way, which is worse than all the ways that have been mentioned, because they shall utterly waste away in confusion and be consumed with shame, and shall wither with fear at seeing the glory of the Most High before whom they have sinned while they were alive, and before whom they are to be judged in the last times. Now this is the order of those who have kept the ways of the Most High, when they shall be separated from their mortal body. During the time that they lived in it, they laboriously served the Most High, and withstood danger every hour, that they might keep the law of the lawgiver perfectly. Therefore this is the teaching concerning them. First of all, they shall see with great joy the glory of Him who receives Him, for they shall have rest in seven orders. The first order, because they have striven with great effort to overcome the evil throughout which was formed within them. 
that they may not lead them astray from life into death. The second order because they see the perplexity in which the souls of the ungodly wonder and the punishment that awaits them. The third order they see the witness which, had, which he who formed them bears concerning them, that while they were alive they kept the law which was given them in trust. The fourth order they understand the rest which they now enjoy being gathered into their chambers and guarded by angels in profound quiet and the glory which awaits them in the last days. The fifth order they rejoice that they have now escaped what is corruptible and shall inherit what is to come. And besides, they see the straits and toil from which they have been delivered and the spacious liberty which they are to receive and enjoy in immortality. The sixth order, when it is shown to them how their face is to shine like the sun and how they are to be made like the light of the stars being incorruptible from then on. The seventh order, which is greater than all that have been mentioned, because they shall rejoice with the boldness and shall be confident with confusion, without confusion, and shall be glad without fear, for they hasten to behold the face of him they served in life, from whom they are to receive their reward when glorified. This is the order of souls of righteousness, as henceforth is announced. And as aforesaid, they are ways of torments which those who would not give heed shall suffer hereafter. Real quick, let's just revisit uh, what happens to those who have lived ungodly. So they go into a place where they await judgment, and they're tormented. And the reason that they feel tormented is because of seven things. And let's just kind of bullet point those. The first is that they, they know that they've scorned the law of God, right? There, there, there is no lying to yourself at this point. There is no making your choosing to believe whatever you want to believe. Like the truth is available. Like the truth is very clear. You can't deny it. There's no, you know, there's no walking around it like people do while they're living on earth. The second thing is, is because they know now that they can't repent. They know that, you know, it's over. Like there's no opportunity for repentance now. And so I imagine the grieving of wishing and longing to go back and make the right choice. We should think about this when we're making choices ourselves. The third way is that they will see the reward for those who have trusted the covenant of the Most High. So they're going to see this great blessing that's available for those who actually trusted in God and walked in His ways. The fourth way is that they will be considering and dreading the great judgment that is to come. Like they know that the eternal torment is on its way. The fifth way is that they shall see the inhabitation of others who are guarded by angels in profound quiet. So they see like this great protection. So they're tormented knowing that they're about to go into torment laid up for themselves. And to make matters worse, they can see that the, that the righteous are guarded by angels and have peace. The sixth way is they shall see how some of they shall see how some of them will pass over into torments. They'll see how the however it's however it happens. The seventh way is the worst, according to this angel, and here's what he says. The seventh way, which is worse than all the ways that have been mentioned, because they shall utterly waste away in confusion and be consumed with shame 
and shall wither with fear at seeing the glory of the Most High before whom they've sinned while they were alive and before whom they are to be judged in the last times. One of the points that Ezra is going to make is that people live wickedly and never even consider the end. People just live. And, we, and he lumps himself and everyone else into this. Like he's saying all of humanity is guilty of this. We're going to get to that here in just a second. Let's continue on. Uh, verse 100. I answered and I said, Will time therefore be given to the souls they have been that they've after they have been separated from the bodies to see what you have described to me? And he said to me, They shall have freedom for seven days, so that during these seven days they may see the things which you have been told, and afterwards they shall be gathered into their habitations. I answered and I said, If I have found favor in thy sight, show further Show further to me, thy servant, whether on the day of judgment the righteous will be able to intercede for the ungodly or to entreat for the Most High for them. So Ezra's saying, look, on the day of judgment, are we able to intercede for our loved ones, is what he's really asking. Are we able to intercede for them? And here's the answer. He answered me and he said, since you have found favor in my sight, I will show you this also. The day of judgment is decisive and displays to all the seal of truth. Just as now a father does not send his son or his son his father or a master his servant or a friend his dearest friend to be ill or sleep or eat or to be healed in his stead, so no one shall ever pray for one another on that day. Neither shall anyone lay a burden on another. For then everyone shall bear his own righteousness and unrighteousness. So the answer is no. When the day of judgment gets here, the time for interceding and repentance is over. I answered and I said, How do then we find that first Abraham prayed for the people of Sodom, and Moses for our fathers who sinned in the desert, and Joshua after him for Israel in the days of Achan, and Samuel in the days of Saul, and David for the plague, and Solomon for those in the sanctuary, and Elijah for those who received rain, and for one who was dead that he might live, and Hezekiah for the people in the days of Sennacherib, and many others prayed for many. If therefore the righteous have prayed for the ungodly now, when corruption has increased and unrighteousness is multiplied, why will it not be so then as well? And he answered me and he said, This present world is not the end. The full glory does not abide in it. Therefore those who were strong prayed for the weak. But the day of judgment will be the end of this age, and the beginning of the immortal age to come, in which corruption has passed away. Sinful indulgence has come to an end, unbelief has been cut off, and righteousness has increased, and truth has appeared. Therefore no one will then be able to have mercy on him who has been condemned in the judgment, or to harm him who is victorious. I answered and said, This is my first and last word, that it would be better if the earth had not, been, had not produced Adam, or else when it had been produced him had restrained him from sinning so Ezra's like oh man he's he's understanding that this is the fate of most people and he's saying it'd be better off if there if Adam was never born and there was no descendants verse 117 for what good is it to all that they live in sorrow now and expect punishment after death again Ezra's is making a point and it makes sense right making a point you know some people are born into sorrow, and then all they can expect is to be punished even more, except this time it'll be for eternity. Surely we can relate to what he's saying. 
Oh, Adam, what have you done? For though it was you who sinned, the fall was not yours alone, but ours also who are your descendants. For what good is it to us if an eternal age has been promised to us, but we have done deeds that bring death? And what good is it to an everlasting hope has been promised to us, but we have sinned miserably, we have, but we have miserably failed? Or that safe and healthful habitations have been reserved for us, but we have lived wickedly? Or that the glory of the Most High will defend those who have led a pure life, but we have walked in the most wicked ways? Or that a paradise shall be revealed, whose fruits remain unspoiled, and in which are abundance and healing, but we shall not enter it, because we have lived in unseemly places? Or that our faces of those who practice self-control shall shine more than the stars, but our faces shall be blacker than darkness. For while we lived and committed iniquity, we did not consider that we should suffer after death. He answered and he said, This is the meaning of the contest which every man who is born on earth shall wage, that if he is defeated, he shall suffer what, has, what you have said. But if he is victorious, he shall receive what I have said. As this is being told, this, is, this, is a te- this whole life is a test. You know, why do we see such things? Why do we struggle with such things? Why? It's all a test. Jesus says those who persevere to the end will be saved. He's talking about persevering in the faith, persevering in the walk. Verse 128, that if he is defeated, he shall suffer what you have said, but if he is victorious, he shall receive what I have said. For this is the way of which Moses, while he was alive, spoke to the people, saying, Choose for yourself life that you may live. But they did not believe him, or the prophets after him, or even myself, who have spoken to them. Therefore there shall not be grief at their destruction. So much is joy over those whom salvation is assured. I answered and I said, I know, O Lord, that the Most High is now called merciful because he has mercy on those who have not yet come into this world, and gracious because he is gracious to those who turn repentance to his law, and patience because he shows patience toward those who have sinned since they are his own works, and bountiful because he would rather give than take away, and abundant in compassion because he makes his compassion abound more and more to those now living and to those who are gone to those yet to come for if he did not make them abound the world with whose inhabit with those who inhabit it would not have life and he is called giver because if he did not give out his goodness so that those who have committed iniquities might be relieved of them not one ten thousandths of a mankind could have life and judge because if he did not pardon those who were created by his word and blot out the multitudes of their sins there would probably be left only very few of the innumerable multitude. That's the end of chapter 7. And I think we're going to go ahead and stop there for this morning. And I just hope and pray that you've been blessed, that you've received some word from the scriptures this morning from the apocryphal book of Second Estrus, which was found in your 1611 King James Bible for the first 200 years of its existence and is still found in many Bibles around the world today. Well, if you're curious about the end of days 
and uh, maybe you're new to the subject and you want it to be made easy for you, you can pick up my 30-day devotional by going to scriptureandprophecy.com forward slash book. And there's 30 days. Everything's very easy to comprehend and understand. And it's just really made simplified for you. And so I recommend that you pick that up. That's all I have for you this morning, friends. It's, again, perilous times. Um, difficult times. But we need to acknowledge that reality. Um, and we should always pray. We should always pray for God's mercy. And always intercede for God's mercy. You don't know for sure that this is the end of the end. But it could be. And so you need to be right with God. But also praying for grace and mercy to abound. That's all I have for you, my friends. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.